The Olympian would like to thank CV San and England Insurance and Financial Services Incorporated for sponsoring today's episode. Thank you. Hi, and welcome to the very first episode of The Trojan Horse, the new podcast where the Olympian brings the news to you. I am Drew Paxman, the media editor for The Olympian, and we have a stacked episode for you today. First up, you'll hear my interview with college and career counselor Allison Zuckerbrow, who gives advice to seniors going through the college application process. Then, you'll hear all there is to know about the new Bell schedule and Maya Wan's interview with assistant principal Kevin Baker, which is followed by Melissa Busserock's interview with Marion Meadows about the importance of sleep for teenagers. Erica's son then warns us why maybe we should worry about Don't Worry Darling, and Zoe Dorado finishes off the month by interviewing girls water polo captain Natalia Perez. I hope you enjoy. Hey Trojans, this is Drew Paxman with the CVHS Olympian. Welcome to our feature section of the Trojan Horse Podcast. Today we have a very special guest. She's the counselor for the College and Career Center. Please welcome Allison Zuckerbrow. Ms. Zuckerberg, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. So first of all, let's just talk about what is the College and Career Center and how did it start? Sure. So the College and Career Center um, is kind of the hub of all the college and career activities on campus, where we house all the resources and information and offer workshops and help for students. Um, in planning for after high school. It's always been around, but it's gone through changes over the years. And over the last few years, it's actually built up. They added a full-time counselor, which is me. And uh, last year, due to a grant, we were able to also hire two new staff members, Miss Maddie and Mr. DeSala, who offer help, as well as I bring in uh, volunteer interns from Cal State East Bay to help students so we really have a lot going on in the College and Career Center. How many kids would you say on average come in daily? And like, what are they asking you? It really depends on the day. We definitely have influxes of groups of students coming by at lunch or after school. They'll come in with their friends. We also offer workshops. So students will come in for the different workshops. Um, but students come in asking about getting a job looking for volunteer information, work permit, you know, information on colleges, scholarships as well. So tell me about your own post-high school experience. Did you apply to college, go straight into a career? So um, I grew up in New York and I applied to several colleges and I did end up going straight to college to the University of Delaware. Um, where I got my bachelor's degree. As I was getting my bachelor's, I did change my major. I knew I wanted to work in education, but I wasn't entirely sure exactly what. I knew I wanted to work with high school students, potentially be a math teacher. So after college, I did an AmeriCorps program. It's through the government and you get paid a little money, but you're, it's more like a volunteer type job to get experience. Through that work, I ended up deciding I wanted to go into counseling versus teaching. So what is the biggest advice, given your experience, given the experience you've seen of many others, what is the biggest advice you would give to seniors right now? Right now, I would say the biggest advice is to keep your options open, Mm -hmm. to apply to four-year colleges, but keep community college as an option as well, to not focus so much on one school or one major, 
because things are going to change. You know, I've changed my majors a couple of times. Most people do to also not stress because you're going to end up in the college where you belong. So you may not get into every college you apply to, but don't stress about it. There's a lot of options out there for students who are not sure if they want to go to college. I always recommend applying and then looking at other options as well, like work or internships or apprenticeships to get experience in a career. And what about for seniors that maybe don't feel like college is for them or that want to pursue like what you just said, an apprenticeship or go straight into their career? Yeah, so we also have a lot of connections with apprenticeships in the area and we will be having career fairs throughout the year. So Steiners should definitely talk to us about different options. Um, there's definitely a lot of things they can do if they're if they don't want to go to college. What about um juniors or any underclassmen as well? For juniors and sophomores, they should just start exploring what's out there. Thinking of doing career assessments. A lot of sophomore English classes do that in class. Doing different career assessments and then just visiting colleges to see what they're like. Also interviewing people about careers. Talk to your parents, your friends, your aunts, your uncles to learn about different things that are out there and take advantage of the college and career fairs that we have here on campus. Speaking of which, what is that's an event going on in the College and Career Center. Where are some other events going on? And can you explain further what a career college fair is? At least once a year, we have a college fair in the quad, as well as on a separate day, a career fair in the quad at lunch. At the college fair, we have representatives from different colleges. And then at the career fair, we bring in different um, careers and apprenticeships so students can learn what's out there and what's available. In addition, we bring career speakers in throughout the year and we also bring college speakers in. So in October, we're gonna have speakers from the University of Oregon, Johns Hopkins, UC Santa Barbara, among other schools. And then we also offer a lot of workshops on career skills such as resume writing, applying to jobs, figuring out what you want to do in the future, and also college workshops. So in October, we'll have a lot of workshops for seniors working on their applications, application walkthroughs, and then we'll start getting into financial aid as well. And we have our big Cash for College night coming up at the end of October for students to get help with their financial aid applications. Well, thank you so much, Ms. Zuckerberg, for having us today. Yeah, thank you, and hope to see everyone in the College and Career Center. This is Maya with the Olympian. I'm here today with Mr. Baker. Hi, everyone. Um, thank you for joining me today. Of course, always happy to uh, you know, check in with you. So, based on my understanding, you were one of the heads of making our new belt schedule, right? Yeah, Mr. Torpy and I partnered on a committee that just had several rounds of discussion considering all the different options. Mm-hmm. And it took several months. So what was the main goal that you were trying to reach in your committee? Well, as is often the case, the main goal is to keep people happy. You know, we have to deal with change all the time and change can be really you know, frustrating for people at times. We want people to be able to adapt to change without it being too disruptive in their lives. What was the process that you took? So we started with uh, inviting people to join a committee and that committee met, I believe, uh, five different times over the course of about five months. Was this like parents, students, staff That's members? right, it was uh, mostly parents, uh, several faculty members, and then a couple of students joined as well. 
through that, did you guys brainstorm different bell schedules together or did you and Mr. Torpy come up with bell schedules and then present them to the committee or how did that work? It was kind of a combination of all of the above. So I researched some other bell schedules that were already in operation in neighboring schools that started at 8.30. Uh, some of the committee members also looked around and found schedules that they were aware of. And then the committee work really started to focus more on um, community outreach and serving all the different people that were gonna be affected by these schedules to um, really see what our community felt about what was gonna be best to, uh, to make these changes. And were there any bumps in the road along the way or what were the biggest challenges that you had? Yeah, you know, there were a lot of really interesting conversations around people that for all the best intentions wanted to you know use this moment of change as an opportunity to do something maybe a little more innovative and so there were different people that advocated strongly for different sorts of innovative bell schedules that could have been great could have been taking the school in a whole new direction with our instructional approach or with our um, approach to interventions what are and, some examples of those? Yeah, so um, the best examples are some of the draft schedules that included um, four days of block scheduling. Oh. You might have seen that. <laughs> you might have seen those in the surveys. There were people that thought that block scheduling was just easier to manage with only three classes per day. I and get so, a sore butt whenever there's a block schedule. Yeah. So. It's a good thing we didn't get one of those. Yeah, so that was really a perfect example of something where um, there was an instructional component that could be really valuable to um, a lot of different teachers. You know, science teachers love to do labs on block scheduling yeah. and so forth. There was also a lot of people feeling like, wow, that's a lot of time sitting instead of moving around. Through the surveys and through our discussion with the committee, it became apparent that really um, just having two block days per week was kind of a happy medium between having too many blocks or no blocks at all. And so we kind of settled on our existing schedule with Tuesdays and Wednesdays being blocks. So as of like time release for the end of the day, was there a cutoff time that everyone was like, no, it shouldn't be later than this? The two things that pretty much everyone was agreed upon was that we're not gonna let go of the nutritional break in the morning. People really valued having that 15 minutes of time to go get a snack mm -hmm. and just take a break. And the other thing was not being in school until 3.50 or later. People didn't even want to be in school until 3.40. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about why you guys decided to have zero periods last an hour and then on Tuesdays, 30 minutes? Yeah, that has to do with um, the teacher's contract. Teachers that have zero period can't have sixth period because that would be too long of a work day mm -hmm. um, because they do have fifth period on Tuesdays that means that if they started at 724 and went all the way to the end of 320 that would be just a little bit too much of their contractual work day mm -hmm. and so we had to make the Tuesday zero period shorter but that wasn't there last year right or is no. it because we got released earlier yeah because if you get out at 229 like we did last year then it, that's fine within the teacher's contract okay. but um, teaching all the way till 320 when you start at 724 is, is longer than the yeah 
the usual seven and a half hours. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, a lot of people ask that question. It's a little bit challenging to explain, but uh -huh. um, that's the reason for it. Yeah. So was there, like, out of all of the drafts, was there a certain draft that you felt a little more biased towards? I was really committed to the democratic process. I just wanted to see as many people satisfied as we could. You know, I was, I was trying to adapt the different drafts to kind of include a lot of different ideas. Mm -hmm. And I do think in the end, probably what most people were looking for is what we settled on. As far as my personal view, I was kind of open to a couple different ideas. And the way it landed, it, it's okay with me. Mm -hmm. It means that our teacher work time in the afternoon with staff meetings and so forth goes all the way until 4.45 or 5 o'clock, which is a bit different for us. I think a lot of people benefit from stability, and so things are pretty similar to the way they've been in the past. Yeah. But then also, I think people benefit from having a later start. 8.30, to me, just feels a lot less hectic. People have more time to get up in the morning, more time to have breakfast, more time to just make it to school without getting into a crazy rush. And do you think staff and students are satisfied with the new schedule so far? Oh, that's a great question. The goal is to make things comfortable and to have people kind of, you know, feeling good about changes. And then there's always this kind of long period of transition where people don't feel quite great about it. And so I think yeah. staying until 3.20 has been really hard. On 3.20 on Tuesdays and Wednesdays is just really different than what we've done in the past, and it's been hard on a few people. I think that in a few months, we'll all kind of be used to it. We're just in that transitional phase. So what's the main takeaway that you've gotten from this experience? I'll tell our audience here that you know democracy matters and giving people a chance to chime in on what they feel is, is the best option and then including like everybody's ideas and coming up with a plan that, that makes sense to most people. That was our, our starting and ending goal and I think that's, that's kind of what we achieved. And again, democracy doesn't mean that everybody feels great about it, but hopefully most people feel like, you know, this is the least disruptive of the options that we had in yeah. front of us. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me. Sure, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. Glad to be here. <laughs> Maintaining reliable wastewater pipelines and facilities is everyone's responsibility. They are simple actions we can all take to make sure that our wastewater system works. Pastor Valley Sanitary District wants to remind you to do your part to prevent sewer blockages by only flushing the three P's. Pee, poop, and toilet paper. Never flushing wipes and not putting fats, oils, and grease on the drain. Together we can do our part to keep our sewage lines clean and functional. For more information, visit cvsan.org slash wastewater. with Miss Meadows from the Wellness Center to talk about sleep. All right, so to begin with, can you just tell me a little bit about the Wellness Center and what you do there? Sure. So um, I'm Marion Meadows. My pronouns are she, her. 
and my job is to support all the great staff at the Wellness Center. Um, I, my job is to coordinate behavioral health across our whole school district, but the Wellness Center is a big, one of our really big projects, and so we have a whole staff of really great social workers, social work interns, our school nurse has an office there, our restorative justice coordinator, um, we have staff from special ed who work there, so my job is to make sure everybody can um, have the best work environment to be able to serve students and make sure students' needs are met. So a lot of students struggle with sleep deprivation, so how, how many students would you say come into the wellness center with issues with their sleep schedule? I would say most, <laughs> most of them. And by issues, I mean not getting um, at least eight hours. So the recommendation is actually eight to 10 hours for teenagers, even more than that sometimes. Um, so if you poll students, like we just did uh, presentations in the health classes and we had students take a vote to see how much sleep they had. And by far about 75% of the students were getting less than eight hours a night. All right, so what do you think is the cause for most of the sleep deprivation? Well, let's start with um, the changing teenage brain. <laughs> so when teenagers uh, get hit a certain level of development, certain age, and it's usually puberty, but um, it tends to affect uh, older teenagers, so the high school age, right? Um, their teenage brains kind of shift so their brain activity actually picks up later in the night um, and so they need more sleep uh, which basically means they need a little bit more time in the morning so um, that is one of the main causes is actually pretty natural right it's their just brains changing and being able to be a little bit more active at nighttime um, if you combine that with stuff like electronics um, you know in my day and I'm old now it was just TV, <laughs> but if I stayed up really late watching TV, my brain needed more time to shut down at night. But now it's easy to be on, to be gaming, to be on your phone, um, to be getting lots of visual stimulation, and so that actually takes a, about 30 minutes to an hour to calm, kind of calm your brain down after that. So if you try to sleep, if you look at your phone, last thing you talk, you look at your phone and you put it down, your brain isn't going to just fall asleep. It takes longer to do that. So devices, electronics definitely have an impact on that. Was sleep like one of the goals of the new schedule? That's a great, great question. Yes, um, it was state legislation that was passed um, based on that, what I was talking about, the brain development of teenagers, that teenagers tend to have more activity at night and need more sleep in the morning. So it was a statewide law that um, bought teenagers some time in the morning. Right. Now, I, I'm not sure if teenagers are actually sleeping more. I would love to know um, from the student body if, if because of this change, you guys are actually sleeping more. Are you sleeping more? Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say so. <laughs> right, so it's, it's an interesting piece to think about. All right, so you don't, do you don't know if it's helping or not? I don't know yet. Um, I, I definitely wanna see the statistics, um, but based on our polls of just the ninth graders, they're definitely not, still not getting enough sleep. All right. And then how do you think we can work on getting more sleep? Well, you know, something like, like I was mentioning, uh, the electronics is just giving yourself more time to calm, to calm your brain down. So if you're going to be on your phone, try to give yourself 30 minutes to an hour off your phone or off TV or off video games before you go to sleep. So if you're going to try to sleep at 10, that means you've got to be off all the devices at 9 or 9.30. Um, then your sleep is actually better and you'll actually feel more rested. It, uh, your brain repairs itself overnight. So when you're sleeping, it's not just like, hey, I'm tired, my body needs a rest. It's actually when the, your brain repairs itself and gets all the good chemicals to help you in the morning and to get through your day. So it's like critical, critical time.
All right. Thank you for speaking with me. Appreciate it. Thank you. Here's the deal. When you go to State Farm, you get a local agent that can deliver good neighbor service at surprisingly great rates. Pick the right team. Give Anglin Insurance and Financial Services Incorporated a call at 510-537-8100. That's 510-537-8100. Alice Chambers is your all-American wife. She's in marital bliss with her husband, Jack. She has a lovely list of wife friends. And oh, I almost forgot. She lives in an experimental utopian community. Described as a psychological thriller film, Don't Worry Darling features an array of big names. Florence Pugh, Harry Styles, Gemma Chan, Chris Pine, Nick Kroll, and more. Its headline cast makes it one of Hollywood's most anticipated films. The film is described to be about a 1950s housewife living with her husband in a utopian experimental community who begins to worry that their seemingly perfect suburb is hiding something much more sinister. Pew, who plays the leading role of Alice, captures the essence of this postmodern piece in the first few glances of her character. I was intrigued by the film's trailer. The colorful production design and vibrant film style accentuate the perfect utopia gone wrong fiasco. In addition, the portrayed eeriness of the supporting characters brings a level of suspense. Styles lacks much film experience, but his dynamic with Pew brings excitement. Despite its appeal, Don't Worry Darling These Days is better known for its series of controversies involving director Olivia Wilde. Initially set to play Styles with character Jack, Shia LaBeouf was hired to star in the film. However, he ended up leaving production with Wilde claiming his combative process brought her to fire him. LaBeouf publicly revealed later that she lied when he released a video of her begging him to remain in the film. She claimed Pew needed a wake-up call, condescendingly referring to her as Miss Flo. The public did not tread lightly in response, especially in light of LaBeouf's recent assault history. Yet, this is not the end, as more drama regarding Wilde continues to emerge as days pan out. With the film expected to be a thrill and excitement, but now played by drama, people like me are left to wonder if watching the movie is worth it. While it's hard to dictate what is confirmed or just speculation, the scandals behind the film are disastrous. Wilde's actions and words leave a wrong impression. It's difficult to ultimately say whether the drama will become either detrimental or beneficial to the film's box office. Still, given the star-packed cast and publicity, I assume it feels more individuals to watch. But from my perspective, the drama kills much of the excitement and hope I initially had. Given its title of being one of the most anticipated films, it may be hard to come across open seats once it hits theaters. But don't worry, darling. You can have mine. Hi Trojans, this is Zoe Dorado, the news editor of the CVHS Olympian, and welcome to the sports section of the Trojan Horse podcast. I'm here today with Natalia Perez, the captain of the varsity girls water polo team. Natalia, how are you doing today? I'm good, how are you? I'm good. Um, so my first question is, when and why did you start water polo? So I started water polo, um, I want to say the summer before uh, my freshman year. Um, that was my first time ever getting introduced. Um, I started it just because I was over swimming. And I didn't like back and forth regular um, competition swim, mm -hmm. so I decided to try something new, um, which was water polo, which um, I got introduced by one of my friends. And what are the basic rules of water polo for those just listening? So some basic rules, it's kind of like we're swimming back and forth, so it's like turnovers like basketball. 
There's also um, no touching the bottom of the pool, so we're basically treading water the whole time. Same rules go for like balls, like um, you can't shoot at certain points in um, the water, like around, like we have like cones that tells us kind of like our lines in the pool. Mm -hmm. There's fouls, there's also kickouts when you're um, too aggressive, and then there's just like a regular um, goal, a goal is one point and everything like that. And what is your winning record for the team? So we are currently 4-0, um, we've won four, not, four league games, so wow. it's pretty exciting for the team. <laughs> Nice, that's very cool. And what has been the highlight of this season so far? Um, I want to say the highlight of our season was probably our Piedmont game, which we just played this week. It was a really close game. We were losing the first half of the game, and then our girls came back, and we scored, and we beat them by two points. So it was like 10 to 8, I want to say. And how does it feel to be team captain? To be team captain, it honestly feels pretty rewarding just because uh, since I was a freshman, I've been on varsity, and I've seen these girl, like the older girls like as captains, and it just made me want to work hard. So it's kind of rewarding just to be captain and to help lead our team. And are there any important games coming up for people to watch out for? Um, we do have our senior night against Berkeley, which is an exciting game. That's going to be on October 11th on a Tuesday at 6.30. And then we also have a game next week against Encinal. That's probably one of their hardest games because mm -hmm. they're top in the league. I believe it's on a Tuesday as well. Um, but those are the two most important games before like NCS championships and stuff like that. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, just that if you're interested in joining the water pool team, if you're a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, I say go for it. It's an experience that you'll never be able to find anywhere else, but that's it. Thank you, Natalia. Yeah, of course, thank you. Well, that does it for the very first episode of The Trojan Horse. Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to follow us on all of our social media handles. That's Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at CVHS Olympian. If you want to contact us, make sure to find that little green box on our website or shoot us an email. That's CVHSOlympian at gmail.com. Also, look out for our new newspapers, our print edition in the Little Green Boxes in 700 Hall, the library, the book room, the main office in 200 Hall. Thanks again for listening. And we'll see you next time. We want to thank all of our guests who participated in this episode. Kevin Baker, Allison Zuckerbrow, Marion Meadows, and Natalia Perez. A special thanks to all of our hosts this episode. Maya Wan, Drew Paxman, Moisa Busarak, Erica Sun, and Zoe Dorado. This episode was edited by Drew Paxman, Turtle Newman, and Ethan Ding. The Trojan Horse was created and is produced by Drew Paxman. Our staff writers include Victor Bond, Shannon Chan, Ethan Ding, Wyatt Franklin, Evan Griffith, Renata Gutierrez, Samantha Jew, Mason Jordan, Haku Kremer, Francis Lee, Turtle Newman, Louis Ochea, Gavin Peters, Erica Sun, Caitlin Chan, Jada Vaz, Matthew Wong, Nicole Wu, and Anjali Yadavali. Our editors include Melissa Busserot, Zoe Dorado, Rebecca Ireland, Drew Paxman, Sam Scott, and Maya Wan. Our editor-in-chief is Olive Dooley, and our advisor is Lisa Carmack. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.